That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC talk radio is always exciting. Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HIAC Talk Radio, episode number. (laughs) No idea, I forgot. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put it to him publicly while we're on the air and it's get recorded for podcast. So I can say, hopefully new regular member of the show as much as he can when his wife yeah. is not trying to kill me. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Derek McDonald has joined us tonight with, of course, Craig Legons. And we're here to talk about, we're going to do the wrestling story and as always, and anything else we can think of. But right now we're going to talk about, the breaking news, the big news, the 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 thing that everybody's talking about this week. Because we're here to talk about um, one of the greats who is no longer with us on this earthly plane, and that is, of course, this this week we just lost the bad guy, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Uh, I'm going to go first and just let you guys go, um, and of course interject a little bit. I just want, in my opinion. And as I could see on social media, a lot of people's opinion, one of the guys that engineered the change in wrestling to where we saw people getting paid, guaranteed contracts, literally changed the business. In my opinion, one of the best workers on a good day that has ever walked inside of the ring for years before you even knew him as even the diamond stud. That guy was working all over the place. Well, in AWA, he was all over TV with a mustache and a hat. One of the most brilliant minds in wrestling, no longer here anymore. A guy that I was happy to see, you know, after Paige got a hold of him and got him clean and got him right, uh, was down at NXT talking to these kids and talking to all the wrestlers coming up, male and female, getting them ready. Because that is a brain, just like Dusty, it's another brain I'm glad people were able to pick before it was no longer here. One of the, if not on the top of the list, that, that I can th- when I think of people who are impactful in wrestling that were never world champion, the two that pop up in my head first is Roddy Piper and Scott Hall. Um, Scott, unfortunately, I, I just, it was killing me this week um, reading about it because this is a guy, and we're going to talk about it in a second, who was the bottom of the bottom. Right down there at the bottom with Jake, who fought back and finally was when Paige got a hold of him. Yes, I, I do want help and got it and got clean and right again to just have sur- <sighs> the just fall in having her surgery and it's a blood clot, three heart attacks, and uh, he's gone. It, it, I, I, it was a sad day. It, it's a sad day in wrestling. He will be missed. Um, you know, all those old cliches, but we wanted to talk about the career and our personal memories of Scott Hall. And I'm going to tell a, a quick one just to start off the bat and then throw it to our, not our guest, but I'm going to throw it to Derek first 
Because then you and Craig are going to go back and forth because Craig's got the encyclopedia, which is his brain. Um, not match-wise. We'll talk about that, of course. But I'm so glad I found it and I posted it. But I quote it almost weekly at the house. It, it's just a throwaway line. A random interview. I say random, but I know exactly what happened on that episode of Nitro. So I'm not going to kid you. I know what this interview is leading up to. They're about to wrestle the two girls who are porn stars and the one girl's. Um, yes. Or, or, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Which has one of my favorite Tony reactions where she bends down to get in the ring and he just goes, oh, my God. <laughs> just silence. And, of course, brains out there with Tony. Some of the finest speaking I've ever heard two red-blooded males talk with. Neither one of them would know what to do with something that big. But anyway, the interview the interview is going on. And Scott Hall just looks at the camera at the end of the interview and goes, I got a message for Mike Graham. I got a lot of bosses. You ain't one of them. And Nash tells him, oh, yes, he is. And Hall goes, oh, no, he's not. And he's like, I'm like, he can tell you what to do. Don't you tell me what to do. I'm going to kick. <laughs> he goes, I'll do. And Nash says, I'll kick you in the shin. And Scott Hall, without blink, I'll pinch you so hard. Every week, I quote it to this day. And it's almost 25, 30 years later. It's the minimal of memories for Mr. Hall. But I just want to get that out there. But I'm so glad I found that because I've been mentioning this for years. This is one of my favorites. I posted that today. Derek, you have also been talking about a lot about Mr. Hall on social media. Um, go ahead, my lad, my young lad. Uh, okay. So I am, I like to say I'm a new generation baby because I'm just a little bit too young for the Hogan era. Like I caught the end of it. So my fandom kind of started during the new generation. Um, so I remember watching random WCW Saturday nights with my cousins because they're from Georgia and they would be up here visiting. And I remember one night we were watching and the diamond stud comes out. And I remember thinking, well, look at this guy. He's different, you know. So I got into wrestling through my brother who got in through my dad. And Scott Hall is one of the few guys who all three of us know him, but it's for different things. So I know him as Razor Ramon. That's my guy. My brother knows him as the diamond stud and the guy from AWA. My dad, being an old Southern man from Georgia, knows him as, I believe it's Starship Coyote. I believe that's the actual name, if I'm not mistaken. So, so all three of us, wow. we, and it's crazy because when the Razor Ramon vignette started, neither, no, neither of us knew who he was. I didn't know he was a diamond stud. My brother didn't know he was, you know, Scott Hall from AWA. And my dad didn't know he was Coyote. And growing up during the new generation, all I had on my wall was Bret Hart, Razor Ramon, and Sting. Those are the only three guys I had on my wall. And 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 the darkness that was post-Hogan, post-Warrior, steroid trial era, you always hear Brett and Sean get credit for kind of holding the company up. I don't think Scott gets enough credit for what he did because he came in, he was a different guy, he was different than anything they had. He worked Brett as world champion. He worked Sean as the secondary champion. He worked Diesel. Anybody who, he worked Yoko, anybody who came in that was anybody that worked with Scott Hall, they all had great matches. And like you said, you always say this thing about, well, Roddy is the greatest guy never to have the title. Uh, you hear Jake the Snake. But I think Scott Hall, for what he did as a face and as a hill from, what was that, 91 to 95, 96, I think he's probably the greatest guy 
to never have the title because he did everything but do that. And you could argue at any point in the company, he was as high as the number two guy that Vince had behind whoever was the world champ. Um, when I when Scott Hall passed, and and my uh, first time I saw Scott Hall was in um, nineteen eighty five in uh, sorry nineteen eighty four in the Mid Atlantic area when uh, Mid Atlantic was at its zenith when they had uh, Dusty, Ricky Steamboat, um, Piper hadn't hadn't left yet. Uh, Dick Slater, Greg Valentine, uh, people from Georgia were coming in. Wahoo McDaniel, uh, the Briscoes were um, were still there, and they wanted to. This was also the point where teams, where air, territories wanted their own type of road warriors, um, and that's when American Starship came in. It was kind of an offshoot of the Freedom Fighters. Uh, that Sting and, and Ultimate Warrior came out of that camp, the Rick Bassman camp. Uh, and these were like the new all-American road warriors called America Starship, Eagle and Coyote. Coyote was Scott Hall. Eagle was Dan Spivey. And what we've talked about on this podcast many times, and Dan has correctly pointed out, anything connected to Dan Spivey, even if it looks good, is going to eventually turn out bad. <laughs> I forgot about that, Jim. I.e., the Varsity Club. I.e., um, him replacing Barry Windham with Mike Rotundo in the WWF and here with uh, America Starship. And they got some big, high profile matches early on in their career because they were two big guys, Spivey and Hall. You can't teach size. And both guys, six, seven, six, eight, uh, greener, than pe- greener than pepper trees. But they put him up against, you know, veterans. They went up against uh, the Barbarian and Superstar Billy Graham. They went up against uh, Ron Bass and Black Bart, veteran guys that could carry them in uh, in matches. Uh, obviously, the team broke up. Spivey stayed there and still wrestled Starship Eagle. And when Hall went to uh, the AWA and uh, formed, really got his his timing down and got his training down. And to the point where he was one half of the AWA tag team champions with Kurt Henning, and they would be, uh, uh, and to the and at one point during their reign as AWA tag team champions, they changed Scott Hall's name to Magnum Scott Hall because he had the mustache and he had the perm, and Tom Selleck was still a big deal, and. Because they were in the AWA, and there was they just started the huge monster push of Magnum TA in the NWA. We'll just call Scott Magnum Scott Hall. So for a while, not long, he was Magnum Scott Hall. But I will say that Scott Hall looked more like Tom Selleck than than Magnum TA ever did because you know they both had great mustaches. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I, I guess what made Scott Hall so um, endearing and why he and Kevin Nash got along, because between the two of them, they had more name changes than <laughs> anybody else. And, you know, when I came in as a diamond stud and D-Mac, you were saying your brother did, or you kind of didn't remember him when he, you saw him again. You didn't remember him as a diamond stud. And you don't remember. Him as a, I knew exactly when he came in as diamond stud. I knew exactly who he was. And when he went to 
WWE as a Razor Ramon I knew was at the Diamond Stud because he really didn't change anything. Yeah, um, yeah. If anything, Diamond Stud just shaved his mustache off when he was mm-hmm. in WCW as one of the Diamond Dallas, Dallas Pages, um, uh, his early um, charges because this is before years before Diamond Dallas Page started wrestling. He was a manager uh, for a lot of big stars in WCW. Um, and we have to go through his whole career in the, in the WWF and uh, the great matches he had and the great workers that he, he matched up against. And when he passed, unfortunately, and the thing is during Scott Hall's career, this day could have happened at any point in the last 15 years. Um, Scott Hall was on many a death pool. And when we at a during, especially during the years when it, we were losing wrestlers, it seemed like every six months, a high profile wrestler would, would leave us unexpectedly. Um, I, one would always assume Scott Hall would be next just because of his addictions and because of his, uh, drug problems and his his inability to seek help for them. So, uh, as sad as I I to see him go, um, I was prepared because I was prepared 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but a couple of people asked me um, why I didn't. I saw nothing but tributes to him on social media uh, for the last couple of days. Why I haven't done a tribute? Um, truth be told, and I can say this to you guys, and I I don't. We never talked about Scott Hall in, at, at length at all during this podcast, but I was never a fan. Um, I, I appreciated the work in the ring um, and what he could do. Be, and part of the reason why I was never a fan, uh, because I, I saw him take liberties with guys, especially when, you know, back when WWF guys were, they would have this during the waning days of the Saturday afternoon shows to set up uh, the early parts of Monday Night Raw. He would be a little stiff with guys and, and wouldn't apologize for it, um, which I, I never thought was cool under any circumstances, even if it was an accident or something. And, you know, with with what made him so great, because he can work with a, a smaller guy like Shawn Michael and have the greatest ladder match ever, because he can work with any style, like with Shawn and with, with Bret Hart. But if, if he was a with a guy that he didn't like or wasn't friends with, uh, he wouldn't have a good match. Yeah. Uh, Shane Douglas. I, yeah. You cannot have a bad match with Shane Douglas. He did because Scott didn't like him. Jeff Jarrett, another guy, regardless of how you feel about him, he can work in the ring, but mm-hmm. their match sucks. Why? Scott all didn't like him. So when I hear about him being a, a world champion, um, based on his popularity and his work in the ring, yeah. Should he have been a world champion? No, because you couldn't a you couldn't rely on him, and b yeah. if um if he was against a guy you didn't like, he didn't like or didn't get along with, you'd have a shitty match. Yeah. Um. I I would see him being world champion the same way I saw Diesel as world champion. <laughs> Diesel made less money than any world champion yeah. in history. I can see the same thing with Scott Hall. If Scott Hall was ever a uh, world champion, I just didn't think he would be a safe bet to be world champion. Not that I didn't think he deserved it. Not that his work in the ring didn't warrant it, but I never saw him as world championship material. And, uh, you know, he's now that, that he's gone and it is a sad day for professional wrestling since he was such a big figure. But, you know, unlike, you know, a Bobby Eaton who nobody had anything bad to say about, there are plenty of people that had bad things to say about Scott Hall. 
you know, I know, I know Scott Hall made friends in wrestling, but he didn't have a lot of them. So yeah. um, uh, it, I appreciate for what he did for the, for the sport of professional wrestling. And, you know, we, we uh, celebrated the 25th anniversary of Bash at the Beach last year on this podcast. And I think we spent an hour just on that alone, the formation of the NWO and that whole match and the calls from, from Bobby and from uh, Tony Schiavone and even Gene Okerlund in the ring. Uh, a great moment in, in pro wrestling history. It will always be one of my favorite moments. That's the first thing I looked at when I heard he was gone was look at that NWO clip again. Um, because of, of what he did, and uh, but for a guy that size to work as well as he did, and to have a character like that that's finally stuck after Diamond Stud, after Magnum Scott Hall, after Starship Coyote, to have a guy who was doing a bad Al Pacino come imitation from Scarface. Um, kudos to Scott Hall for finding his niche in and going with him creating some lumber. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he made WCW watchable. And because remember, it was, it was Hall and Ed. It was Hall first. Yeah. You know? And WWE suing for intellectual property, even though he was dressed like Razor Ramon without any gold. He didn't talk. like. But they WWE tried to say, we own all that. But he was being Scott Hall. He was being himself. You yeah. know? You don't know you that you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And um, oh shoot, I messed up this whole segment, Dan. When you threw it to me, when you threw it to me, DMAC, after you after you finished, I had this all rehearsed what I was going to say, how I was going to say it. When you were done, Derek, I was just gonna mm -hmm. Hey yo. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that all day at work, <laughs> and I totally blew it. Can we? Well, this is just from a practice show. Can we just we just stop? No, here? I'm not doing all that again. We only no. have an hour. We're, okay, we're live, pal. Yeah, we're say. live, pal. We're live. Pal. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, a huge, huge loss, obviously. Yeah, and regardless of how I feel about it, you can't deny the presence that Scott Hall has in professional wrestling in both the WWE and the WCW. Uh, he was a major part of, of both of them. And do you have a favorite uh, memory of uh, Scott Hall? Either one of you, Dan? I It's going to sound weird, but the two things that stick in my head, because I'm not going to go with favorites, because we'll talk about that in a second. The creation of the NWO and everything. Uh, honestly, Sting and him at in Uncensored '98, mm -hmm. it's quick, but it's underrated as hell. It's it's just it's like a not a it's a greatest hits match, but not in like a oh gee they just it was a spot fest. It was a and uh, it was a great back and forth for a good ten minutes. It should have been the main event over Macho Man and Hogan in the cage for the two million freaking time. But you know <laughs> what do I know? Um, but there's a great spot that you've seen a hundred times before and a hundred times since where they smack each other head first in the middle of the ring, bouncing off the ropes and sting falls back and hall hits the rope and kind of, Oh no, hall falls back and the sting kind of hits the ropes and then falls right on his dick. Right. <laughs> great spot. Great spot. 
and the random ladder match between him and Bam Bam. Bam Bam Bam. Oh, yes. January. In January 99, the main event of the first hour of Nitro, Derek remembers, going against the first hour of Raw, it was him, it was, remember when Disco Inferno was a member of the Wolf Pack, air quotes? He was the goof, yeah. He was kind of the gopher, the disco gopher, go for this, go for that. That was, that's Bobby. Um, But it was Scott Hall and Disco. And the stun stick. This is January '99, mm. so it's after the Goldberg stun stick at Starcade, which has one of my. Which that's another favorite of mine, Scott Hall. A little quick throwaway where, well, you only see it on the replay, but you know the Nash and Goldberg match is going on, and you hear the stun stick off camera. It comes on camera, shots mm-hmm. Goldberg, and they run off. You don't see who it is, but you can see it's Scott Hall on the replay. Oh, and as he's leaving, <laughs> he's hiding it. But as he's leaving, he looks at the camera and goes. It just runs fucking all's ass. Uh, so it's a stun stick ladder match. And the only, I mean, the only problem I have with it is it just ends with Goldberg beating the tar out of both of them. But it's, it's Bam Bam and Scott. It's great. And it's, and if anybody can recall another time this happened, I will gladly take your correction. But it is the only time that I can recall. And I even remember seeing this at the time, freaking out about this minute detail the next day in school that underneath his Scott Hall elbow pad was a purple and gold Razor Ramon elbow pad that came off at the beginning of the match. So you saw the Razor Ramon razor just sticking out at the bottom of the elbow underneath the black and red oozing machismo pad. I don't think he's ever done that. He might have had it every match. And that was just a cover over the old, or maybe he was wearing it for good luck in the ladder, or maybe he was drunk and brought the wrong elbow pad. I don't know, <laughs> but I just remember it's all possible. Yeah, yes, it's all possible. You don't want to know. Exactly, socks. Hey, yo. Um, yeah. Uh, another favorite of mine is um, this is terrible, but when they were doing the drinking gimmick. With on WCW, huh? Yeah, well, there's that. That not not that match. There's a match that's highly underrated that you would think sucked because of the timing, but it was actually very very entertaining between him and Conan at Fall Brawl '98. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite spots. It's so bad because it is when he's drunk. He's drunk, but he wasn't that drunk during this match. I don't know what the hell they were trying to tell. Uh, Storyline wise, but there's is a great <laughs> I'm laughing because the look on his face. There's a moment where you know Hall would do the he put his hand up and go he puts his hand up and Conan goes like that and then Hall switches his hand and Conan switches his hand and then he looks out the crowd and laughs and then starts going like this and they switch your hand and then Conan just slaps him but it's the look out to the crowd he gives. Right before he can slap, that makes me laugh. I'm going for the the nuanced ones here, folks, because of course, WrestleMania 10. Mm-hmm. I, he made. I, I know it's like, well, it made he made Scott Hall, but I didn't know who Shawn Michaels was as a kid till that match happened. You know, I I I, I rec- what Craig? 
after that match, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated called Shawn Michaels the, the best wrestler in the world after that mm. one match. Because Interesting. Uh, and this was yeah, way years before he became the the Mr. WrestleMania showstopper, what have you. But that match alone put every put the entire wrestling world on notice that this was the best uh, wrestler in the world, and because of that match, and what the other thing that made that match great um, between the latter match at WrestleMania ten between Scott Hall and Razor Ramon, like why you'll never see that type of that match again, and why it can never be duplicated. Uh, people listening to this podcast right now, Scott Hall and Razor Ramon in the ladder match at WrestleMania 10 only had one ladder. Mm-hmm. They only yep. used one ladder. One. Yeah. one. There, was none, there wasn't 12 others underneath the ring. There weren't 88 situated around the ring. They had one ladder. Yeah. So if it broke, if it bent, if it whatever, mm-hmm. That was it. But they did all yeah. that with one ladder. That's why it'll never be done again, because we can't have a ladder match with one ladder anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. No. Nope. It has to be multiple ladders with multiple sizes, so you can do your multiple spots from pillar to post, but that's one thing that Scott Hall will all, and Shawn Michaels will always have for the rest of wrestling history. That one moment in time that will never be duplicated because they did it with one ladder. Go ahead, Dan. I apologize. No, of course. Interrupt anytime. Stop apologizing, you bastard. Um, you're a bastard for apologizing. Um, to that ladder match, uh, again, I don't think a lot uh, to kind of piggyback on what Derek said. I don't think people talk enough about Scott on that. No, yeah. I, I, I also want to point out throwing it to Derek here the bump he takes after grabbing the belt when he falls with both belts, oh, intercontinental yeah. belt. It's like he took all that pounding that entire 20 minutes and then he lands straight up on his back from the top mm. of that ladder. It's like, oh shit, that's the that's the <laughs> thing that's more, the most painful out of watching all that is that. Yeah. My my favorite Scott Hall moments, of course, it's the you know, the mania ladder matches and this and that, but it's it's random things. And <laughs> after How dare you. After what I did with Mark Merrill on his podcast about finding out Mark Merrill was black and not black and being offended. Yeah. I, I remember just being a kid one day and watching Razor Ramon and he's talking and I'm looking and then I look at my friend and, and then I look at He's talking again. And my, my friend, my friend, Justin was, was Spanish at the time. I remember I, I might've been about nine and I was like, Justin, and he's like, yeah, I'm like, I, I don't think Razor Ramon is Spanish. <laughs> we're looking at the TV. He's like, "No, I don't think he is." And my brother, who's older than me, walks in the room, and my brother goes, "Ah, uh, Scott Hall's as white as the snow, Derek." And he just walks out. And I remember thinking, "Oh no!" Like I believe all the Scarface stuff my whole life. Um, so that's one of my favorite moments. Another favorite moment. <laughs> another favorite moment I have with his is from when he's in. He was in WCW and they were feuding with the Giant, and he would he would choke slam somebody, and he'd be like he would do the Giant thing and go oh, and point and laugh at the Giant for <laughs> being, and he would always go you know Scott's a Giant. He goes Kevin you know Kev's a Giant, but he stopped right where it was cool, and G- Giant kept growing to freak size. He goes so that's why <laughs> Kevin 
is cool with you. And then my, my last memory of him is um, when I was a kid, I had a Coliseum video and it was like, I think it was called like WWF's most outrageous matches. Mm-hmm. And on there it had, it was the first ladder match with Brett and Sean, where I think it was like a random house show. Yeah. But it had, it had mm-hmm. Razor versus one, two, three kid for the money. Mm-hmm. After, oh, after yeah. kid had beat him. And I remember it's complete, it's a complete small spot, but Towards the end of the match, kid grabs the money and he leaves. And right. just Vince going, the kid has the money. The kid has the money. And he's chasing him out of the building. And kid gets into a car, takes off. Yeah. And raises in the middle of the street like, oh. Like, just little things like that. And also him winning the Battle Royal and then facing Rick Martel for the IC title the next week and him becoming IC champ. Those little things kind of, when I think of him, it's, it's those things more than any one match. I have a couple more here that I wanted to bring up. Uh, something I only remembered rewatching the the DVD. I honestly, I have two WWE steelbooks, uh, Blu-rays. One's the DDP one, and one's the Ray, the Scott Hall one. And I forget he used to say this, but of course, lit along with it on the DVD, you know, Blu-ray when he was saying it. When he was, there's two. There's medium sexy, the Nash Killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's and he's six foot six and more handsome than 10 movie stars and i'm like <laughs> that is the coolest thing i've ever heard somebody yeah. say with that kind of swag i have a personal memory on top of these other three and i didn't meet the guy it's not like that but one of the best main events I've ever seen was at a WCW house show in December of 98 mm-hmm. at the air conditioned spec, which didn't matter. It was in December, the, but I have to say, cause Craig says it. <laughs> I have to say, cause Craig says it, the air conditioned spectrum in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of two of my favorite memories, And I've seen a lot of shows. I always bring up the first show I ever went to was Halloween Havoc 89. And that main event was funk and uh, funk and Muda. Mm-hmm. versus Flair and Sting with Gary Hart and Ole Anderson, and the special referee was goddamn Bruno San Martino. Mm-hmm. That was in the main event of the first show I was at, at the Civic Center. But one of, and I've seen a dozen, I've seen over 20 WCW house shows in my life. Mm-hmm. But December 98, when WCW was still on, a, on fire as far as booking, Two matches that stick in my I was able to see in person Guerrero and Jericho versus Malenko and Benoit in a tag match mm-hmm. with Arn Anderson at ringside. Yeah. Not talking about what happened afterwards. That match is nuts. Mm-mm. I have pictures of this somewhere. The other match, which was the semi main event because Bam Bam was late. Yeah. Because the main event was Goldberg and Bam Bam. Right was Flair and Hall. Wow. Rick Flair and Scott Damn Hall on a damn house show in the middle of December 98. And it, and it ended the way you would think. First of all, it wasn't long. Again, it was probably 10 minutes just to kill time before the main. But it was 10 minutes of two of the best in-ring guys. And they work well together. Yes. And Flair did his spots. You got the and Scott Hall did, you know, he did the flop. He tried to do a cross body. 
He did all that, even though he was face. He still did. Flair did. Craig points out Flair is the one guy in the history of wrestling that could do the same crap as a heel in the face and still and do it different t- and just change the times of when he did it. And they still worked. Yeah. They cheered or booed. It didn't, didn't, didn't matter. But he still did all that. And you got the choke slam from Hall. You got the back of the. Um, what was that? That move called where he drop him behind you but lifting him over. Oh. Uh, Not a back body slam, drop. Right? Yeah. Fall away slam. Yeah, fall away slam. He do that. He do the side slam. He got the choke slam. But then you got to the outsider's edge. And that's when Flair just pulled his legs out from under him. Did the figure four and, and Scott Hall did the tap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great match. It, was, it couldn't have been longer than nine, ten minutes. Because it's like, it's a house show. I'll, I'll give you ten minutes. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I respected about Scott Hall was his respect for uh, the legends. Uh, one story that I remember about Scott Hall, and he, he told it, uh, this is one of the last matches of Jake the Snake Roberts' career. I believe it was in, uh, might have been, was it WWE? His last run or when the, when the NWO came back? or when It was a house show, and Jake the Snake Roberts was doing it. And this is obviously to everyone who had ever seen Jake the Snake Roberts at this point knew he was, you know, on his, his career was in decline severely and he was, didn't have a It was WWF. Lot. It was over. <laughs> this was the end. Yeah. But they were in a house show and Hall was uh, scheduled to go against Jake Roberts. And obviously everyone thought Hall's definitely going to go over because the NWO just come back to the WWE and they were, you know, on fire for that limited time. Um, and Jake even said, man, I, yeah, you just, you just go over, Scott. And Scott said, um, no, he's going to go over the finish. He said, you do whatever you want, Scott. And Scott Hall said, no, you're, you're going to give me the short clothesline. You're going to give me the sign. You're going to give me the DDT, and you're going to put the snake on me. And if you don't why, like Why else would we do anything else? Yeah. yeah why, are we, why are we here? <laughs> yeah. Cause, but because Hall was supposed to go over that night. Yeah, yeah. It, no, and he said, because and if somebody doesn't like it, I'll just tell them that, you know, my back's hurt and I can't wrestle tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, you know what? To, to piggyback off that, Craig, uh, I got two mm-hmm. stories. Uh, we, everybody knows the one on Nitro where it was Hall and Jericho. And, of course, they're like, Hall's going over. And in ring, on TV, during the match, live on TNT, Hall tells him, do the do a do a roll up. I'm going out. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. He does the job live. Yeah. And he gets backstage. Like whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other it. one is the amazing tiny mini ECW appearance that he did in Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. First of all, yeah. first of all, first of all, we always talk about favorite entrances, and I never mention this one. And shame on me. Nothing is cooler. Nothing. No. Is cooler no. than that man coming out to the Fujis. Oh, the best. I'm sorry. It's the I'm best. Not, I'm I, no, I'm it's sarcastic. I don't really care. Everybody else is wrong. Um, you got the, you know, Randy on hot. Here I come. You can't hide. And you get that two times, and then the beat starts and it comes out. Out comes Scott. <laughs> and we would have thought there was 20,000 people in this little place. Mm-mm. But that story is that. You know, he wanted to wrestle um, uh, uh, Justin Credible, PJ, his buddy PJ. 
Right. He's like, I, I don't even want money. I'll just get me a plane and get me out there. Get me a hotel. I don't care about getting paid. I just want to work with a PJ mm-hmm. because, well, you're going to go over. Why? Why am I going over? He goes, okay, I'll go over, but I want to wrestle big Sal and I'll do the job for him. Mm-hmm. So this man loses to random ass FBI, big Sal. <laughs> And then wrestles just an incredible, just incredible at the end of the mat at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. see social media these days. I know Hall was not a perfect guy. He's not Mister Perfect. He was gonna be. No, yeah, it was gonna be. Know. That was gonna be um, Terry Taylor. Thank Christ. Terry Taylor. Yeah. Nah, sorry, Craig. I, I corrected myself before Craig hit me. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I was thinking about because Hogan, I saw a video of Hogan at his bar at, in wherever the hell it is. I'm sure it's Florida uh, said he had fault. He was doing a speech about Hall and he goes, he had faults. He had faults, but I love it. And I'm like, this guy, yeah, right? Yeah, boy, Kettle, right? boy <laughs> if you don't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but I was like, OK, whatever. It's his friend. I'm not going to I'm not going to wisecrack about that till somebody can verbally hear me being sarcastic about it. <laughs> Um, but he got it. Yeah, he got it. He knew what the score yeah. was. And the thing about friends is, and he admits it too. That's the thing. Uh, that's why I kind of give him the, you know, he wasn't doing the other things that I say other wrestlers have done and not get called on the carpet for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's like, if you're not in it for money and you're not having fun, what's the point? I have money. I have a lot of money. I'd like some friends. And he made the friend. Now, we don't agree mm-hmm. always how they did business, mm-hmm. but that's a HNP uh, trademark. Craig Legons, <laughs> 2021. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't even talked about the curtain call. We haven't even talked about the curtain call. We can bring that out next. Um, let me get rid of these memories because I'll talk about, you know, I'll talk for hours, guys. And uh, Craig, uh, Derek's going to get beat up. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and in turn, then I'll get beat up. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to bring this up real quick and do the short version. Him turning on Nash at Slambury 98 yeah. was like big to me. Mm-hmm. Be- and of course, they the booking effed it up. But if the booking didn't eff it up, that could have been that would have been huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. The outsiders, the the guy turned on the other. What the hell's going on here? Now, it did create. For a while there, it was OK, and they had a good they had a good the storyline was it was they should have never went added the drunk thing in there. It was so stupid. Of course, we yeah. look back in it retrospectively, but in those days, of course, you write that in because it's all about breaking kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Minor one here. <laughs> it's the second NWO making fun of Horseman vignette, not the one in Ring where Six is crying the entire time is Rick. It's the second, yeah, this. <laughs> it's the second one where David Flair is on the couch with Tori the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it's Hogan. And one time that I give him props, uh, one of the few times of 10 that I give him props when he's doing his flair. And it always made my mom laugh when he did, when H- Hogan started going, the penny loaf for shuffle, the penny loaf for shuffle. <laughs> but Nash, uh, there, I quote both of these guys. Again, to this day, <laughs> Nash goes, <laughs> uh, he's talking about how, you know, him turning on 
his dad, Rick, Nash is in the Arn Anderson garb, has put me on the spot. I'm not talking about a dog spot, liver spot, spot on the cut on your back when you got to go to the dermatologist. Just just going off. But he goes, this is my... (laughs) This is not a tire and iron. This is a beer can opener. It's, is this not the beautiful, most beautiful thing you've ever seen? But it's Hall because apparently Hall and Piper were feuding. Yeah. Nobody knew it on TV and none of the fans knew it, but apparently this is the thing that happened, which led to Piper and Hall at uh, Super Brawl 99 and Hall winning a U.S. title that they yeah. eventually dropped because booking is awesome. But yeah. <laughs> Hall came out with his hair long, with the NWO shirt on, which again didn't make sense. Why Roddy Piper? Roddy Piper was there as the horseman, but it got a great mention because he comes out doing this and goes, "I'm hot Rod," and they call me that because I got six kids. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we come to the great crescendo, which I'm gonna let Craig speak about first. But it is the moment. That was the catalyst of all the things we just mentioned as far as WCW and NWO, and that is the curtain call. And this is why you don't bootlegs, folks, because if their video didn't exist, they would have not gotten into trouble. No, I'm kidding. Of course, they would have gotten in trouble. But the night that Hall was going to leave, Nash has already given his notice, and Triple H and Sean are in the ring, and they too sweet, and they all celebrate and hug each other, and people who are who were there, and then I'm sure in the wrestling mags the next month went ape shit, Craig. Yeah. Uh that was really the uh the start of um of smart fans. Um yeah. the 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 movement that, that happened. I was actually at the the spectrum the weekend before that <laughs> when uh Triple H beat uh, Scott Hall, and in the main event, Shawn Michaels beat uh, Diesel. Uh, Razor was the face. Triple H obviously was a heel. Nash had just turned on Shawn Michaels, but after both bouts, guys, after when Triple H gave uh, Razor Ramon the pedigree and pinned him, he didn't move for like seems like hours. And then the main event, I was the Intercontinental belt. The main event was uh, Charles Michaels defeating Diesel with the super kick. And again, the Charles Michaels won. His music played, and the entire music played while he was dancing and doing all that. All four the whole time. Kevin Nash never moved after the super kick. Just stayed there. I said, this is a hell of a job to sell. I mean, both of those guys. So that was the weekend before the curtain call. So obviously both knew had already signed their WCW deals. So they honestly didn't care. Uh, and that was at the beautiful air conditioned spectrum. It, um, it made the, uh, the, it made us knew that wrestling was, was a business when the, we saw the, the grainy footage um, Jim Cornette still says that had happened, he would have fired everybody, even if, yeah, uh, yeah would have he would have fired even hell with him. Michael being world champion at the time, and Triple H unfortunately got the brunt of it since Hall and Ash were leaving. Sean was champion, so who do you punish? You punish Triple H. 
that cost him the King of the Ring that year, but that was the year that Austin won it and Austin 316. I think it worked out for everybody. I think it, it, it worked out yeah, 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 in the long run. Um, I'm sorry, Derek. You're the one with the least amount of time, and we're doing all the talk. You're <laughs> no, I, I love listening. It's like I'm listening to you guys in my car. You know, Derek's a regular on the show. You know, Derek's a regular on the show now, right? I also know that Derek has a regular schedule that he needs to keep. But you know, I love it when I call him Big Papa for again. <laughs> but for right now, his time is limited. So give it to us, Dmac. Um, it's funny because you know what, Derek? No, I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> Just go. No. It's funny because the curtain calls at MSG and uh, oh, I wanted right. to go to that. I wanted to go to that show so bad, but mama said we had to go to church. So we had to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. But my buddy Thomas, who today being Austin, you know, today being 316, it's funny. My buddy Thomas went to the show and I still laugh with Thomas because when we were very young, I think we were eight, nine years old. His mother brought him the Steve Austin other side jackass shirt. And I remember thinking, it's amazing that a kid has that. My mom won't even let me say, you know, dang it. But <laughs> he went he went to the show and he came to school the next day. And I remember like everybody was like surrounded. And he's like, and he was like, how was the show? And he goes, Razor Ramon and Diesel hugged Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And I remember it made no sense to anybody. And we're like, no, that's not possible. Can, uh, Diesel just turned on Shawn and Triple H is a, Hunter H. Hunter is a bad guy. And I remember... He would. He told us this, and it like blew our little minds that this would happen. So I, like you said, I think that was the beginning of the curtain kind of being pulled back, and everybody realizing what was really going on. Um, I, for all the good that the Click guys did, you know, Hall and Nash going to WCW and getting the guaranteed contracts, and you know, forcing Vince to put in a better show because they were kicking his ass for eighty three weeks. There's a lot of bad in there too. Um, I want to be fair. There's, you know, you hear guys like tons of bad in guys, there, yeah. yeah. You hear guys like, you know, Bam Bam saying they destroyed his face run after the LT stuff because Diesel and Sean were mad he made a bit of mania. Uh Savio Vega said they tried to, you know, hurt his career when he was coming up, which I always thought was weird because he was brought in as like Razor's friend. Yeah. Um, so they they definitely took care of each other. And if they liked you, they took care of you. You hear stories about them helping out Ray Mysterio because they liked Ray. But if you were out of that circle, buddy, they made it very, 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 very hard for you to be successful. Just ask uh, Pierre Olette. He talks about it, you know, he talks about it all the time in all his shooting interviews. Yeah, and then that's why I was never a fan. I, I appreciate yeah. what he did in the ring, but as a as a guy, um uh you don't have to be friends with everyone backstage, but you don't have to you know, sabotage people that aren't your friends yeah. you know, that, you know, backstage. Um, so that's why I was for all the talent that he had and especially for all the, uh, the influence that he had, uh, mm-hmm. it's, you had to be with the right people at the right time. And I, I just never liked the way that Scott Hall would occasionally abuse his, his position and just some of the ways he treated guys in, in and out of the ring. I, you know, uh, just, especially when it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Uh, it just goes back to my hating bullies thing. And um, the, t- the stories about the click were really not, they're probably only stories in wrestling that haven't been exaggerated. They were, yes. assholes. Yeah. they were yeah. that, yeah. They, they were that dickish and, you know, they didn't want to do jobs. They showed up when they wanted did. And for whatever fucking reason, 
Vince McMahon just let them do whatever they wanted. That's and, that's what I don't get. Yeah. Well, you hear all these other stories, and 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 I don't want to trample too much because, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, he didn't murder a guy in the shower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he murdered a guy outside of a strip club. It's different. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Sorry, it just occurred to me. Um, that all the other crap that Vince stopped and still doesn't tolerate that that was tolerated. I, that I yeah. don't understand. That yeah. that blows my mind. Hey yeah, man, the, the Chris, be fair. I was gonna say the like the Chris can't like you hear the stories about Chris Candido and what they did to him with Sean and Sonny. Like just mm-hmm. all those stories, they, they 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 ruined the guy's career. It's terrible, and it's it's a shame that some of the guys. We're afraid to just walk up to them and punch them in the face because you figured I'd lose my job. Yeah. Well, so to it, be it, fair, it to be fair, I wouldn't walk up to Nash and punch him in the face. No, I'd, I'd get, I'd hit Sean. He'd be. Yeah, I, I would hit Sean <laughs> because he's closer to my height, and maybe I could get him in a headlock. Yeah, yeah. and and it, and you know it was bad when a guy like Vader didn't mm-hmm. want to break Shawn Michaels in half, and someone who could have done that very easily. Oh my but, god. If Vader wanted to in that match with him, he oh. could have he could have ended his career mm-hmm. or worse, to be fair, or yeah. worse. The Vader yeah. was from a real Vader was trained in the real S. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I mean snow of Minnesota. Yeah, when you think of all the guys Vader hurt by accident, broke yeah, his not, back, broke yeah, his shoulder. You know, broke Nikita Koloff's clavicle and all the again by accident. Potato mm-hmm. went guys. And you know, he I mentioned he's gonna get mentioned in the wrestling historian later. But the fact that he wanted to take it easy on Sean because mm-hmm. he didn't want to to, to jeopardize his um but yeah, what we talk about the, the click and what they did the other what they tried to do to the rock. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know, putting shit in his meal. Uh, on the other side of that, guys, is um, it Hall, and I say Hall first because Hall was the first one to go over there, changed the business as far as getting these wrestlers paid, guaranteed money. Without yeah. them, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And it, it changed yeah. the business for the better as far as money. Uh, if that had only gone down to the Indies, but again, that's an HNP. <laughs> um, but, you know, for all the bad things, we got that. Yeah, um, yeah. Scott Hall changed the game in both companies. Yep. Yes, not, literally. Not a lot of people can say that. He's on a short list of one of the most influential wrestlers behind the scenes as he is in front of the camera. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was just say that's one of my other favorite stories of backstage stuff. I actually have two. The one I, I, for, I almost forgot, I'm going to mention at the end of this, um, is when the rumors get around that Hall and Ash are going back to WWF and these guys, this is Ted Turner. This is Turner broadcasting for AOL owned them. We're talking about Ted Turner still running this place and these contracts weren't signed yet. Mm-hmm. So they think the Bischoff and the executives are like, Oh crap, they're going to go back, get them to sign the contract, offer them more. And they bring the contracts to him with them more. And they're like, Hall's like, more money? It certainly is. Okay. All right. And selfishly, I would like to thank Mr. Scott Hall for Sting. Yes. Because without Scott Hall, 
Sting does not revitalize his career like he did. And all it took was Hall backstage Sting saying to Sting, Yo, Sting, you ever see the movie The Crow? You should paint your face like that. There you go. The rest they say is history, folks. Well, so (sighs) to to Scott Hall, um, a man who I will have to say in the last 12 years has lived on borrowed time because uh, he was he was given a gift. Um, I can't stop the 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 amount of outpouring uh, after his passing. I mean, it was an entertainment weekly. It was national news because of um, yeah. And because a generation of fans, you know, like that Derek so wisely pointed out, he's got crossing over three decades in two different generations in two different companies. The people that only know him as Razor Ramon, that was enough. People only know him as NWO Scott Hall, that's enough. You know, that's, uh, it's rare when a, a wrestler can do that, can cross uh, the lines and people that didn't even know his name. It's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Uh, just when you you saw his, his face um, when it popped up on in uh, in newsfeed, so Scott Hall, whether uh, y- you like him or don't like him, um, again, never been a fan of his, but I you cannot deny his impact on professional wrestling, and for and because of that, he will be uh, missed. Kevin Ash had a great tribute to him that he wrote while he was still alive. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I say another thing real quick? Yes, I have never seen the amount of people who wanted to beat each other to the punch of wishing a guy rest in peace than I have this time with Scott Hall. And some people were really innocent with it, that they got the information that he already passed on. But there are millions of people on Twitter typing we miss you, Scott. Recipe Scott Hall. And his, one of his best buddies, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, is reading all this shit going, hey, guys, he's still alive. Yeah. Can we wait? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. My God. Two things. You don't need to post it first because mm-hmm. nobody cares. Yeah. Number two, there were a lot of people going to the hospital. Don't do that. Exactly. Don't don't yep. don't get in the hospital. People need to get into the hospital. That need nobody cares that you're there to see a man that doesn't know you and doesn't know you're there. Stop it. Yeah. Be here. Yeah. Every time wrestling fans get a chance to to make a, a good name for themselves, they embarrass themselves on a new level. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the first thing Craig said to me when I texted him and I waited. Notice mm-hmm. when I was posting stuff before he passed, I did not post anywhere. Rest in peace, Scott. I was hashtagging his name, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, and the bad guy. Right. Just posting pictures or favorite moments or gifts just because I was thinking about them. And I waited till I got official confirmation. The first person I texted was Craig. And Craig, he's gone. And the first thing Craig said to me was, wow, there's a lot of people that really wanted him to die four hours ago. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. Jim Spector, tragic about Scott Hall. Yeah, you just missed the whole discussion. Um, podcast will be out tomorrow if you want to listen to it. Derek and Craig and I. Well, Derek and, and I shared favorite moments and Craig. Uh, <laughs> you googled him. You uh, eulogized him in I, a I, very I, nice you, way. You googled him. Yeah, and you, you know, it was a very nice way. There's nothing wrong with what you said. 
we, the three of us, love pro wrestling more than anything else. And the people that create this that we love deserve to be honored because it's always been looked down upon, spat upon, treated like the redheaded stepchild and that kind of stuff. So anyone that contributes to wrestling in a positive way, and Scott Hall did that uh, in more positive ways than um, than most. And, you know, we've we've trashed out of wrestlers here. Each of us have wrestlers that we don't like, either as professional wrestlers or as people. Hogan, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, I was going to say that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that have, and when it's Hogan's time, uh, we'll have a, a similar discussion uh, about Hogan. <laughs> about the things that uh that you know that, that piss us off about them and whether or not we were a fan or or not a fan in Scott Hall's case, case I was I like I said I was never a, a a big fan of his but I cannot deny his place in professional wrestling and he's been part of some truly incredible moments in both companies uh the latter match with um with Sean and the formation of the NWO uh Think they're the most copied things in the history of pro wrestling that will continue to be copied. It's almost 30 years later, and they're still trying to make another NWO or trying to make a faction that has that much pull. Ladder matches have never been have been trying to copy Scott and I mean Razor and Sean for almost 30 years. Still haven't gotten it, and never will again because they only have one ladder. So rest in peace, Scott Hall. Finally. Um, so, uh, but thank you for all. Finally. You- yes. So did so. Say goodbye to the bad guy. To the bad guy. <laughs> Speaking of factions, there is a faction that's getting built up right now that I think is wonderful. Yes. And that is whatever the hell they're going to call William Regal's uh, uh, faction. <laughs> the the click click um no it's great uh first of all William Regal's in AEW we never talked about that we cut it short last week but let's talk about that William Regal's in AEW number one number two they're using him exactly as I dreamed he's on the mic he's a mouthpiece and he's going to be a manager and this week oh I I like Craig's face I don't like where this is going. This week, he kissed Mr. Utah on the mouth. Or, no, kissed. He slapped him in the mouth and then smiled. Yeah. Dastardly, as only Mr. Regal could. And I did, like, I found out that my dreams were crushed that Tony and Regal don't actually hate each other. Because I always bring out that last night show when Tony was, like, including putting you over, Steve Regal. And I'm like, oh, it was work. Of course it is. <laughs> They're buddies. Yeah. Uh, I just like that William Regal. I think William Regal has more to give even at his age. Uh, we were talking about Scott Hall the last damn near hour. And if not over an hour, I don't know because I wasn't keeping track of time. You'll find out when you're past an hour in the podcast. Um, that another guy that was never a world champion. I don't know if you can put him on high on that list, but you can put him high on the list. If not, number one is one of the greatest workers in the modern yeah. age of wrestling. Yes. Um, that I thought, barring neck injury, probably had a few good matches or moments left in him, and he's actually doing stuff on AEW. And I know we could argue about there's 300 people <laughs> hired right now on AEW. It's Nitro. It's it's Nitro version two. I get it, but mm-hmm. selfishly, 
Love what they're doing with him. I love that Steven Regal is in AEW. Um, my role for him, or what I envisioned, would be for him to be a trainer or a or trainer and a booker. Um, so okay, we, fair enough. So many are because we I, we've seen Steven Regal as a manager. Sure. And we've seen him as the, the authority figure. And he does great. If they brought him in as the authority figure in, in AEW, I wouldn't have any problem with that at all because we've seen how good he is at that role as the guy that could come in and, you know, uh, make a match or can lay down the law or something and fan something, someone who the fans know already know and respect and, you know, could get his point across and he would be a great character like that. Um, so I love seeing him on TV every week and in the corner of, of uh, Moxley and, and um, Danielson is great. Um, I would, I prefer to see him as a, uh, as a booker and as, as a trainer or someone who can work with these guys to get them uh, because NXT under Steven Regal had the best period of wrestling period. at all on any program. Um, not just the Undisputed Era uh, and Champion Gargano feud, uh, but all going all the way back to um, to um, Nak- the Nakamura Samoa Joe feud um, and to to Kevin Owens. Um, that was all under Steven Regal. So if he can work that kind of magic with AEW, I'd be ecstatic. I don't see that happening because of the people that if, if Tony Khan, who has never booked a day in his life, is your head booker. I would argue you still haven't. Yeah. And it will, it's going to is the one that's going making the final decision, the final say. You know, who knows what we're, we're going to see. But seeing him on TV every week is a very welcome change of pace. And he, his last promo he, he did, he apologized on Twitter for it because he got lost. He lost himself because Regal, outside of being a great worker, um, would have been a, an amazing, you know, champion uh, if he got a significant push. Um, and a great promo guy, great in the ring, great out of the ring. But his last promo, he went a little long. He lost the plot because he got caught up in emotion because you saw him br- almost break when he was talking to Tony Schiavone who was the first person, one of the first people to meet him when he came to the States um, back in 1994 when he started in uh, WCW. That was his first American company. And Tony Schiavone was the guy that took him, you know, that was the first to greet him. And to hear Regal almost break up on live TV talking about it was a great moment. Um, But because of that, he lost his place and had to go back to what his original point was being there uh, and he eventually got to it, but he apologized on Twitter because he, he knew we went long, but uh, William Regal on that on cable TV again is a welcome, welcome site. I can't imagine there was actually any wrestler back there going, God damn him. No, <laughs> no. With that being said, Craig, huh? it's time to look at history. Thank you, Dan. Um, we are going to step back in history on uh, stuff that happened on this date. And um, 
date is very significant. Uh, and it's significant. That's why I'm wearing it. It is the 16th of March, 316. Uh, and I'm wearing this because I can't find my NWO shirt. But that is history. Just like I'm going to talk about now. Back when wrestling was so popular that you can run two or three shows on a given night in different parts of the country. It's not just one show on one night where everyone gets to watch. Wrestling was so big that you could run multiple shows on the same night in multiple different parts of the country and draw capacity crowds to each. That was the beauty of the, the love we had for professional wrestling that would cause traffic jams and local news would have to be cut into because everyone was going down to the arena to see a show. And uh, before cable TV and before the newsletters, you had to get your information through word of mouth and through pen pals and through tape training. And it was wrestling in all 50 states, uh, in not just in coliseums, and uh, arenas, but in high school gymnasiums, uh, that was before it was sports entertainment, and that was when it was called professional wrestling. Uh, we're going to go back to March 12th, 1983, big day in pro wrestling. Um, some would say this was maybe the most pivotal date in NWA history because it was on this date, March 12th, 1983, in the beautiful Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, where uh, the show that the it wasn't even the main event, uh, but uh, it was billed as such for the NWA Tag Team Championship in a cage. The defending champions, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal, were going up against for the final time the team of Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. If they didn't win the belts, they would have to break up and never challenge for the NWA Tag Team Championship again. And this was a three-month feud. I've been going on for three months, and they did unbelievable business up and down the Mid-Atlantic area. But this was a culmination of their feud that took place March 12, 1983 at the Greensboro, North Carolina. And the buildup was so great and the anticipation was so electric that they turned away 16,000 fans. It was sold out hours before bell time, but it didn't stop the fans from still trying to get to the Greensboro, North Carolina, to the Greensboro Coliseum to see this show. And it got so bad, I said they turned away 16,000 fans. It backed up traffic leading to the Greensboro Coliseum. Wow. They had to. Wow. Break into the local news, into the local programming, to the Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, and say, folks, if you're heading down to the Coliseum, don't go. The show is sold out. Please turn back. The traffic that was the main highway leading to Greensboro was backed up for miles because of this one match. Jesus. And this one show. And like I said, that wasn't even the main event. Uh the other matches on that card were um, that was for the NWA Tag Team Championship, Steamboat and Youngblood versus Slaughter and Kernodal. Um, But also on that card, Roddy Piper defeated Dick Slater. Uh, and it was for the NWA TV belt. 
Roddy Piper pinned Dick Slater, but he didn't win the championship because one of the great booking decisions uh, created by Eddie Graham and should <laughs> still be something today, the TV title, even when it's on a house show, even if it's not defended on TV, the TV championship and a TV title match is only up for grabs in the first 15 minutes. Oh. So when Piper pinned Dick Slater, Interesting. And the fans went nuts, but the referee was informed the time of the bout was 17 minutes and 26 seconds. So the winner of the bout is Roddy Piper, but because he didn't defeat Dick Slater within 15 minutes, he didn't win the TV championship. That way Dick Slater kept, Roddy Piper got the win, but Dick Slater remained TV champion. And that was a stipulation that went started in Georgia, the Georgia TV title. The heel would lose, um, but he would still find a way to retain the belt because he'd stall or he'd roll, roll out of the ring, but he wouldn't be pinned within 15 minutes. And the main event, though, that night was a one-hour draw. The match that went one-hour draw between the NWA heavyweight champion Ric Flair went to a 60-minute draw against the United States heavyweight champion and his former tag team partner, Greg Valentine. Oh, wow. Uh, but that bout, the uh, Steamboat, in, Steamboat and Youngblood versus Slaughter and Cornodal, <clears throat> and that's your homework, folks. YouTube that match, Slaughter and Cornodal versus Steamboat and Youngblood, that, the match that, had, that turned away 16,000 fans and it sold out Greensboro, North Carolina. Look at the crowd. During the match, don't look at the pay attention to the match because four of the, the uh, great tag team wrestlers and Steamboat and Youngblood are in my top five of the greatest tag teams of all time. Uh, the match was absolutely insane. They did it again in Toronto uh, because, again, there was no cable back then, there was no newsletter. So they did the same match again in Toronto in a cage. But um, that was the match that gave Dusty Rhodes the idea. Of, hey, if we can get all these people to come out in March to see these guys after a blow up a tag team feud, and we have big bouts every Thanksgiving here at the Greensboro, North Carolina, and we sell out then, what if we broadcast it and show it to other people? March 12, 1983, in the Greensboro, North Carolina, that bout was the beginning, the origin of Starcade. A name that still gets used to this day by the WWE. Yeah. But it started uh, 20, uh, almost uh, 30 years ago. Almost 30 years ago today. Well, not, yeah, today, okay. almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I'm almost sorry. 30. 40. Almost 40. Are you making yeah. me sound young? I'm trying to make myself sound young, but yeah, 1980. Yeah, not helping probably. me either, brother. Uh, but on that same day, Dan, while all that was happening in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, less than 200 miles away, the WWF ran two shows in Maryland. Uh, in Landover, in, that mat in the matinee, uh, Andre the Giant won a 20-man battle royal, and Bob Backlund defeated the Intercontinental Champion, the Magnificent Morocco, in a title match. And then later on that night, in Baltimore, right up the road, uh, the uh, they had a 10-man tag team bout. Listen, listen to this lineup. Uh, the Strongbows, the Strongbows, Chief J and Jules Strongbow, 
teamed up with Pedro Morales, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and Andre the Giant to go up against the team of the aforementioned Don Morocco, Ray Stevens, Mr. Fuji, and Afa and Sika the Samoans. Uh, in a 10-man match. During that bout, uh, I think Sika took a hip drop. Uh, sorry, did a back body drop. Uh, either on the concrete floor or in the ring. But anyway, Sika broke his hip. And that would be the last oh, wow. of his career. I didn't know um, that. Yes, the uh, father of Roman Reigns. But uh, that, in, that tag, in that 10-man match. Uh, that would be uh, Sika's last bout. And, uh, and the main event that night, uh, Bob Backlund would defeat, uh, by disqualification, Big John Studd. Um, yeah, but March 12th, 1983, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, the NWA, and the WWF ran two shows that night, that day, uh, in Maryland. Cut to five years later, on March 12th, 1988, Guess what happened on that day, Dan? The WWF ran four events that day, five years later. And back in Landover, Maryland, again, March 12th must be a fun time in Landover, Maryland, because they do nothing but matinee shows there. But in Landover, Maryland, (laughs) um, the the lineup, um, they did for the WWF house show, uh, Andre the Giant defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. Whoa! Yeah, and the main event, Hulk Hogan defeated Virgil. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. that, but that matinee uh, did eighty five hundred people. Did eight thousand five hundred people? Cap Center. Yeah. Huh. Uh, that's probably the highest. That's probably the uh, highest drawing sporting event in that place that year. Well, eighty yeah. eight. 1988. Nah, caps are pretty good. Wizards yeah. were good. Wizards bullets. So that was happening in Landover and El Paso, Texas that same day. The Ultimate Warrior defeated Harley Race and Hacksaw Duggan won an 18-man bunkhouse battle royal. Not to be outdone in Chicago. Again, that same day. Randy Savage teamed up with Strike Force, Dito Santana, Rick Martel, to defeat the Honky Tonk Man and the Heart Foundation in a cage. And if that wasn't enough, and by God, don't you think it ought to be? Yes. Right here in the beautiful air conditioned Philadelphia Spectrum. I told you there was a matinee in Landover, Maryland. Well, that night they were here in Philly to see. Hulk Hogan defeat Ted DiBiase in a lumberjack match. So four bouts, four wrestling cards on the same day on March 12th, four in 1988 and three in 1983. I love that you still call them bouts. Yeah. That's that's amazing. You're my hero. You're mine. I'm going to start calling this a program. I'm not not even being sarcastic. I'm bringing that word back. It's a program. We're bringing it back. Like Porch Monkey. The, uh, um, I'm bringing it for, back. The, for those who don't know, Craig's black, so I'm not editing that one out. <laughs> and he's referencing Clerks, too. Yeah, so he's quoting Clerks, too. He's quoting. 
<laughs> Dude, I've never seen a better line delivery than when that, that guy just, I can't yell it. I can't do the impression. But the way he just yells that word, is he a cop or a firefighter? I think he's a cop. The black cop just rolls up and goes, <laughs> oh no, it's cool. I'm bringing it back. And you just see him run after him. <laughs> oh man. Oh, golden. It's nice to know Kevin's one of the good guys and hates races too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, news about Kevin after we go after this program goes off the air. Uh, uh, good or bad? Good. Uh, March 14th. Oh. Yes. Oh. oh, go ahead. March 14th, 1987. You probably remember where you were. Um, even though it was taped February 21st. No. It, uh, it taped February 21st, but March 14th, 1987, it aired WWF Saturday Night's main event. Um, uh, this was the first Hogan-Andre face-off in a battle royal. They went nose-to-nose, but they never touched each other um, because Paul Orndorff came and Kit Hogan from behind. So Hogan and Andre never touched each other. But that was the uh, battle royal that Hercules won at the end. He saw an exuberant Bobby Heenan raising his hand at the end. Uh, and was also, this was to set up WrestleMania um, uh, when Hogan and Andre were going to pair off, but they never touched, they had a face to face, but they uh, never touched each other. And also, Randy Savage defeated George the Animal Steel. Uh, and that was also the return of Ricky Steamboat. Steamboat uh, had been taken out of action by Randy Savage with the bell to the throat. But this was Ricky Steamboat's return to a huge ovation, even though he couldn't help out his pal George Steele. This, again, was, was a setup for WrestleMania three, which would turn out to be the biggest WrestleMania and the biggest, largest uh, attended wrestling match of all time um, a month later. But this Saturday night's main event was the setup to WrestleMania three, and it did not disappoint because when it aired March 14th, 1987, it did a rating of 11.6, 11.6 share. While on that subject, it reminded me uh, this year, Saturday night's main event is returning. I saw that. Trenton, New Jersey, May 7th. Tickets on sale now. Ticket starts at $20. It's the Cure Arena, Cure Insurance Arena in Trenton, New Jersey, the former home of the Trenton Titans. I was about to point behind me, but that jersey was hanging two weeks ago. That's Philadelphia yeah. Wing. Uh, yes, I'm excited about that because I, I know it's not the same, but j- I, I, admittedly, that's the nostalgia thing for me. Oh, Saturday night's main events on? I'm watching it. Well, uh, we'll see what the ratings do this year. But 35 years ago, this week, they did 11.6 ratings. It's a 1.6 this year, I guarantee. Well, or less. Okay. Um, uh, also, on this date, uh, speaking of WrestleMania, um, we had an early WrestleMania 18 years ago this week. Uh, it turned out to be the um, this was WrestleMania 20, and uh, at Madison Square Garden. And it turned out to be the highest grossing wrestling event ever held in Madison Square Garden. Uh, this was had many uh, interesting, uh, uh, iconic matches, uh, not the least of which was uh, Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg for the first time, refereed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Good uh, that one. 
Eddie Guerrero defeating Kurt Angle. And the three triple threat main event of Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Chris Benoit. Uh, and would end with the first world WWE World Championship for Chris Benoit. And uh, the sight of Eddie and Chris both being world champions, hugging at the end of the bout. Uh, still one of my favorite memories uh, in wrestling history. But that rough that WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden would be the highest grossing wrestling event ever held in Madison Square Garden. They did it at two point four million dollars that night. And the return of the dead man as well. That was the return of the dead man, that's true. Which I thought was gonna be a one thing and it turned out another uh, twenty years. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Starting to see your point, Craig. <laughs> you starting to see it? I think you might be onto something, boy. <laughs> Which brings us to today. Uh, on this day, 316, March 16th. You know, uh, in our previous podcast, we were mourning the loss of uh, Scott Hall. Um, and uh, it was an important loss in pro wrestling history. But we also lost, we had another big loss on this date in wrestling history. March 16th, 1994. Um, it's a loss that kind of, it was a definitive loss in wrestling history. But it was also a birth in other ways of, um, of a loss being a gain. But it was on this day, Dan, March 16th, 1994, that we lost a part of Mick Foley's ear. <laughs> You're set Dresden. up, sir. <laughs> That's brilliant. Dresden, Germany. German uh, place, uh, German um, house wing, show. German fan, German house show, uh, with a referee who spoke French. Uh, <laughs> that. Tommy Young was injured. Uh, Pee Wee Anderson, I believe, was sick. So they were the two American referees weren't there. And I'll uh, do it. <laughs> the bout was uh, needed a referee. And now the two participants, um, Cactus Jack and Big Van Vader, had already wrestled each other dozens of times. So a referee really wasn't that necessary for those two guys. It's just, you know, they knew the finish. They knew what they were doing. And uh, they knew the spots they were going to do. One of the spots um, they've done in pretty much every Vader Cactus Jack match was when Jack would be thrown over the ropes and he would catch himself and get caught in the ropes. Well, did I mention they were in Germany, in Dresden, Germany, where wrestling isn't quite the pop as popular as it is in the States. So the rings are put together quite differently. And the ropes in Germany on this particular German house shows were not so much ropes as they were steel steel elevator cables, the kind they used to hold up elevators. So when Mick Foley did his spot of throwing, getting thrown himself, throwing, getting thrown over the top rope and getting himself caught in the ropes, um, it makes for a great spot. Uh, and this particular one, the ropes, quote unquote, 
uh, were choking the life out of him. He could not breathe legitimately and screamed for help. And so when the, what happens is usually in, during regular ropes, Mick would get his head caught in the ropes and he'd struggle and just to let and people would back off so they could see him struggling, see the, the, the image of Mick Foley hanging himself on the ropes. And then eventually the referee would let him out this time. They got it. Yeah. Uh, and the steel cables were so hard to pry open that Mick couldn't wait. And because he couldn't breathe, he just slid his head, head out before uh, they were even, they couldn't even pull them apart. And when they did, a part of his left ear had come off with the, uh, as he was sliding his head out. And because there was so much hair in it, he had, he could barely feel it. And then when he was, when they went back to the ring to finish the bout, when Vader hit him, the rest of the ear flew off. Uh, referee picked it up, gave it to the ring announcer, Gary Michael Capetta. Gary Capetta ran back to the dressing room to look for some ice to put it on ice so he could preserve it and hopefully reattach it. So Mick Foley in a German ring talking to a French referee who didn't, so no one could speak English. And uh, I for, he, he was told in German what happened to his ear, but Gary Michael Capetta was the one who saved it and ran it back to the dressing room. Uh, that ear, the loss of Mick Foley's ear would um, be used um, quite a bit to Mick Foley's advantage because this is when WCW and ECW, well, back when you, you wrestled on WCW, you could still wrestle in other organizations and other house shows and indies. And Mick Foley made regular appearances on ECW. And that was where he cut the best promos of his career, talking about how he lost his ear. And um, one of my favorite ECW promos after it happened is, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror says, Not you, you gutless, earless freak! Um, <laughs> or when he would put on his glasses and they would go askew because they couldn't hold, the other ear couldn't hold the support. And he married uh, one of the hottest women in the world. Yes. and gave Which birth then gave birth, birth, I was going to say, which then gave birth to one of the other hottest women in the world. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, Life's not fair sometimes. Yeah, I wouldn't. And now I'm not going to say that it made Mick Foley, the loss of the ear made Mick Foley's career, mm. but it certainly grew the mystique of Cactus Jack. Hell yeah. And uh, the Mankind character, I think, wouldn't have gotten as far if it had it not been for the mask that accentuated the loss of the ear. And a uh, great conversation piece, great stories that he told. But. Uh, this was a significant loss in wrestling history because you cannot tell the story of Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude Love without mentioning the loss that occurred today on this date, March 16, 1994, the loss of Mick Foley's year. On this 316, RIP Mick Foley's year. And that is a wrestling historian. Jan Spector says those ECW promos were amazing on another level. It made me 
feel bad about watching ECW. It was that good. Uh, nobody talks enough about McFoley's uh, promoing anymore. And I would say that those early Mankind promos when he's there with Jim are up there as well. Yeah. With those ECW. It, Mick does not get enough credit for the promos. Also, he was excellent. Crazy yeah. Cactus Jack was top of his game. Yeah. And also, speaking of 316, nobody gives enough credit to Steve Austin's promos in ECW. That's where the oh Stone Cold first came. Those first first came hard. Uh, those were stellar. Yeah. When he would. Stellar. Universally. Yeah. Said, say whatever you want. And for, for and that was when Steve Austin, another homework assignment, uh, listeners of watchers of HIAC Talk Radio, Google Steve Austin's ECW promos. The first time in his career he got to be himself. He wasn't a WCW guy. He wasn't a world class. He wasn't being told what to say. He was. He didn't have a manager. He was Steve Austin. <laughs> Monday Night Quill, as GM Spectre yeah. said. The yeah. night on Monday Night Quill, where the big boys play with each other. <laughs> he popping the balloons. Mongo, yeah. Mongo over here. He's got that. He's going crazy. And tonight, yeah. bottle of Geritol on a pole match. Oh, did I mention that we're live? Oh. <laughs> and the best was, Dan, was his introduction because it was at the end of an ECW bout. And uh, e- e- the end of an ECW TV show, and Joey Styles is backstage, and he and he, I think he was just talking to Taz. He goes, "What? Who's that? Is that Steve Austin?" And you see Steve Austin doing the Hulk Hogan. Impression. Well, you know what, me Joey, that's where you're wrong, brother. It was at the again. It was at the end of the that's show. How they closed that show? Yeah. Yes. Was the introduction? Oh my God! It's Steve Austin. You're Steve Austin. Well, that's where you're wrong, me Joey. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna do. This crap anymore. Not there, not anywhere. <laughs> Steve Amania. Yes. Stone Cold. The, and again, another guy. We talked about Scott at the beginning of the show who would do jobs when he needed to. He's like, we're going to put the we're going to have you be. No. No. Why am I going to? No. Get beat by Whipwreck. Get beat by Sandman. Have great matches and take the job. Yeah. Which led to the one of the worst things, which then led to one of the best things. Yeah, but that was the superstar Steve Austin, who came to the ring to Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> That's right. Who? Listen, all due res- all due respect or disrespect where it's needed. Who watched those promos? Signed him and then said, "We're going to want you to talk real quiet, and the million dollar man's going to talk for you most of the time." <clears throat> What? See what I did there? See what you did there. Craig? Yes. We've gone into overtime. It's time to say goodnight. We're going into extra innings. It's time to say goodnight. Uh, Derek McDonald will be joining us again. Uh, He's going to be on as much as possible. I'm glad to have Derek part of the team officially. Thank you for joining us, Mr. McDonald. Craig, where can people follow you? Uh, They can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Craig Ligon, C R A I G L I G G E O N S. Jim uh, Spectre says, Unpopular opinion. I thought his first Ringmaster promo was actually good. Is that the one that's playing during a match where he goes, uh, Bones popping, joints aching? Sounds like fun to me. Is it that one? 
while you're answering that question, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. That's a whole other app. Right, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, at DanLaw83, the HIC Talk Radio Network is on all social media, damn it, platforms <laughs> at HIAC Talk Radio. Go to your favorite podcast app on your favorite smartphone or the smartphone you're using and type in HIAC Talk Radio Network. Like, share, subscribe, follow, review, bomb it, whatever you want to do. But please listen to the show. It was the Brother Love interview. I remember the other one, though, early Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah the Brother Love interview. I know what you mean. You're, you're not wrong. Um, next week, though, hairless pets. Uh, for Craig Legans, this is Peter Venkman saying, keep it on the paper. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>